this is episode 751 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, December 18th, 2020. I realized I am soon going to forget, and it's definitely going to be a recurring thing, the number of the podcast, since I switched to the titling of shows like this and Attack the Backlog and all that good jazz to just being... Here's the title, and it's this podcast, instead of numbering them. And they may annoy some people, but I think it doesn't really matter what number a podcast is. It's about the content of it and whether or not it's into you. And you could just tell by the date it was released, hey, this is the most recent one. I should listen to this one because I haven't listened to it yet. But I am Marcus Nez. Don't know if I said that already. Uh, Off to a great start. But yes, this is the latest episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast, and I'm mainly going to just talk about what I've been playing and watching like usual. I like to just get into things. News-wise, the Game Awards did happen, as we all expected, and I am Nostradamus, or whatever that dude's name is, because I predicted something that was going to happen, or at least one of my hopes happened, and I was very happy when it did happen, and I'm, of course, talking about the announcement that Yakuza 3, 4, 5, and 6 will be coming to Xbox in January, at the end of January, I believe, for 3, 4, and 5. And then March, around the end of March, like the 21st or so, for 6. So that means all of Yakuza will be on Xbox, and that is great. And I, I don't know if the timing just ended up that way on purpose or not, but I think... March or around then is when Yakuza 7 will be coming to PlayStation 5, which means Yakuza in all of its wonderful glory and wonderfulness will be on the platforms that matter, uh, including PC. That is that is also something that was announced. It's coming to PC as well as part of Game Pass, but I'm assuming on Steam as well. I, I didn't really check that, but... I'm super excited, and there's a part of me that just wants to say, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, Attack the Backlog should be moving forward for like three months or whatever, just Yakuza after Yakuza after Yakuza. But I know that would annoy people, and the size of those games would make it hard to actually wrap them up in a timely manner. I need small games to just be able to put the episodes together, write the scripts, edit the videos, and all that jazz. So that's that's not going to happen, but I definitely want to do it. But I plan on playing through Yakuza Kiwami 1 pretty soon. However, there is a part of me that wants to replay Yakuza 0 first because one, it's an amazing game, and two, I didn't play on Xbox, and I just want to... I want to, and this will probably kill me to do, I want to get all of the achievements in every Yakuza game now that I know I will be able to do that because they're all there. Still waiting on judgment, but uh, yeah. And speaking of, and that, that's enough about the Game Awards. Perfect Dark was announced as being the initiative's game, which was rumored for months and months and months and months, and whatever. The trailer looked interesting, and then when it was like, hey, this is Perfect Dark, I was like, oh, okay. Perfect Dark has never been a good series. None of the games have been good. I guess the first one maybe had good multiplayer, but I played the campaign, you know, when it came out on Xbox Live Arcade, 
and I really didn't like it. I did not think it held up at all. And yeah, I think that kind of, I, I'm pretty sure that kind of killed my connection with a smaller group within the Microsoft company because I stopped getting codes after that stint because I, I had never got big games, but I would get codes for like the Summer of Arcade and stuff like that, those promotions for those games. And yeah. I I really shat on Perfect Dark, if I remember correctly. I think I gave it two out of five because it just I don't think it's a good game. But uh yeah. Speaking of Attack the Backlog, I just finished the script for the Halo 2 episode where I include a basically two paragraph section that is a stream of consciousness structure of what I know my father's feelings to be. And I try to put the commentary that he was providing me while we played together into words. And when I read it off to him, he was laughing his ass off, which I take as a good sign. And he he agreed. He didn't think I was putting false words in his mouth or anything. He just thought, man, all of that is me. Okay. I, I don't disagree with any of it. But uh, yeah, that'll be an interesting episode to put together and amusing To to me, I I don't don't know how other people will take it, but the trickiest thing about writing that script, and specifically the section for my father, is that I don't really talk about this all that much. It's evident if you pay attention to the podcast descriptions, or this and that, or the way I refer to myself when using pronouns, but I identify as non-binary, but my father... Like friends and whatnot, they are just used to using male pronouns. So he, she, or calling me his son. Uh, And I originally wrote the script up and just had him referring to me as his kid. But then I changed it to be his son in that section because that is the word he would use. And... I am a weird person in that sense where I am not a stickler about making sure people know that I'm non-binary, know the pronouns I prefer, and use them or I'll get upset about it. To me, being non-binary is a very internal, personal thing. It is the way I feel, and it's, it's, it's about that. It's about how I feel, and I'm not so concerned with how others feel. And part of that, or a lot of that, has to do with the way people look at non-binary. Like, it is still a very tricky identification, kind of, in the sense that it is, to a lot of people, it is considered to be this non-committal identity where you're just not picking anything, and they feel like, well, just pick something. What are you? You can't be nothing. And that's bothersome. Uh, And I find a lot of pushback in my personal experience. This is all me speaking, of course, in the LGBTQ community, more so than outside of it, which is why I, when I came out, if you want to call it that, as being non-binary, I lost a lot of my 
I don't know how to put it. Like, I don't want to say my love and respect because that's a bit too much, but I used to go to the Pride Parade here in Chicago every year. But after experiencing a lot of negativity from the LGBTQ community, when I was out there as non-binary, it just became something that I didn't really care about being a part of because I didn't feel like I was a part of it. And I don't feel like I'm a part of that community. I, I don't feel like I'm part of any community. I just feel like me and, and that's okay. And non-binary is this weird thing because there's not much that you can do to show, I don't know. Like there is still this false narrative and false expectation that being non-binary requires you to be androgynous to some extent or to a, a, a extreme extent. Like you have to, if you are, Traditionally, or if you were born male, then you must show female characteristics physically. You know, you should be wearing nail polish. You should be doing this or that. That shows that you are uh, aligned with both genders, with both sexes. And to me, that's that's ridiculous. Because like the whole thing about me and the and and why I'm non-binary, why I identify that way, is because I don't understand either gender or, or, or and gender identity and 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 all that stuff i don't get what it means to feel like a man i don't get what it feels like to be a woman i don't i don't get what the fuck the difference is i feel like a human being and that's all i feel like like does my love for romantic comedies make me a little more female fuck off that's stupid like, I, I don't understand what it is. So, like, I'm not going to dress this way or that way. And also, I don't give a shit about fashion. You know what my closet is full of? White t-shirts. Literally. Just white t-shirts. I have some dress shirts in another place for the occasion. But my entire shirt collection is just white t-shirts. The cheap-ass ones you get in packs of, like, 6 or 12. Because I don't care. I just want something to cover me. That is plain. That doesn't have branding on it. And I'm good. Then I have some pants. And that's fine. You know, my, the, the most color in my wardrobe comes in my socks. Because I like colorful socks. And I like mixing and matching them. But, yeah. I'm a weird non-binary person in that. Like, I, I'm not a stickler about it. And, and there will be people out there who be like, Well, then, if, you, if you're not willing to fight for your identity and, and make it, so that people, you know, understand that and make sure to call you by that and use your preferred pronouns, then you're not really that or whatever. Like, I, I no, I don't care. Like, I'm, I am never going to be a person who ever does this. And I don't think, like, if people want to do this, go right ahead. I'm not going to be somebody who's like, hello, my name is Mark and I identify as non-binary. How do you identify and what is your name? Like if, if you feel like putting that stuff out there, fine. Like part of it too is that identifying as non-binary doesn't, at, at this point in society, and, and I'm not going to be the person to push and bring about change. I'm just not. That is not who I am. I'm a behind the scenes type of person. So it, it, like whatever, doesn't matter. But like being non-binary doesn't like guess what still physiologically anatomically uh, sex wise i am a male 
if I'm looking at two bathrooms, I'm going to go in the men's room. I may identify as neither as non-binary, but guess what? There is not a non-binary bathroom. Some places have same-sex bathrooms or whatever. They just have, you know, all-sex bathrooms. But the majority have male and female. Guess what? I'm going in the male one. So there's that. You know, more and more places are having, when you have your gender, uh, an other for that. But, like, that doesn't really matter. But, yeah. And I, and I know because of, you know, the way I dress, which is just very, very plain and, and nondescript, no one will ever look at me and think that I'm anything other than just a white male. And I am fine with that because I don't really give a shit what other people think of me. It is how I feel and, and what I think of myself. And for me, I'm non-binary. I just, I don't get it. And I'm happy with that, and I'm, I'm good enough for that. I, I don't feel like I need to, you know, shit on my friends and family or constantly remind them that, no, you should be using these pronouns. It's just like, whatever. It, it's not going to be some great effect. Like, my father, my friends don't use male pronouns because they don't respect my feelings or anything. It's just what they're used to, you know. It's it's just the word is they're used to, you know. It's hard to change your vocabulary, especially when you've been using it for thirty years or whatever. So, yeah. If I felt like somebody was purposefully trying to hurt me, or was doing it because they didn't respect my feelings and stuff like that, yeah, I would push back against that. But when I know it's just, you know, this is the way they are, this is the thing, like, whatever. Bro, technically, is a male-gendered word. Am I going to stop my bro from calling me his bro? No, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, and there are things like that where it's like, yes, there's that gender behind it, but then it it, it is a word or a term that is expanded beyond that stuff like, my dude or whatever you know there there are these things where it's like yes the the roots of it are from this but they have grown and are bigger than that but this has been a, a long long tangent that nobody probably gives a shit about so let's just get on to what i've been playing uh and i didn't even mention everything right from the beginning so that fucking sucks i have been playing catch which is catch with two T's, synthetic ultimate, shady part of me, when the past was around, and oddly enough, a lot of Saints Row 4. So catch with two T's is a basic platformer. Pretty colorful, and mechanically, all you can do is jump. I I think you can double jump. I can't remember if you can double jump. But you can jump, I think you can double jump, and then you can cling to walls. And your task on each level is to collect all the stars. And, and these are all optional things, but you should do them to unlock future areas and everything. Uh, but collect all the stars and save these three creatures. There will always be three cage creatures in every level. And reach the end before the time is up. And that's it. They will start like adding things to the, the levels to make them a bit more interesting. 
they all have switches or whatever where you can rotate the level. They have these blocks that are faces, monster faces, and if you hit them, you die, and you have to respawn at one of the checkpoints. There are plentiful checkpoints in these levels. They'll add little springs that you can jump higher on. Uh, you can With the wall clinging, you can wall jump up any wall as far as you want. And it, it's really simple. There, there really isn't that much to it. There are three areas, I believe, of I think just under 20 levels or so each, like 17 or somewhere around the 20 number. But it mechanically feels really good as a, as a platformer, which is always the most important thing in terms of platforming games. And yeah, I, I had a good time with it. Nothing that is going to stick with you, really. Like if you, if you like platformers, it's definitely worth checking out. But you'll play it. You'll finish it. It's not too challenging at all, which is nice. You know, I, I think it would be good for younger folk too, especially given how colorful it is. It is very inviting and simplistic in nature, given that mechanically there's not a lot going on. And it's, it's very generous with both the time you're allowed to finish a level and the checkpoints again. So yeah. Solid little platformer with a weird name. I don't I don't know what the name is there for, and it's kind of annoying. Just like catch with two T's. But I guess that that gives it something where it's like, hey, my name is Catch with Two T's. So that you can say it's with two T's and people are like, oh, now I know what it is. It's catch with two T's. And it's probably easier to Google than just being catch. But like catch with any number of T's is just a, a pretty generic title. Then Synthetic Ultimate is a twin stick shooter. It's also a rogue light, and it's it's. I wasn't able to start playing the game until very recently, so I've only dabbled in it really. But there's a lot going on in it, and it's somewhat overwhelming at first. There are three modes, like just a basic arena mode. There's the main mode that is you ascending this tower, and like in a lot of rogue lights likes you are gaining xp as you do it and unlocking new weapons that you'll be able to get access to upgrading them so there's a a lot to upgrade and uh get experience for there are i think 12 classes there are a lot of classes and they all have their independent experience points so there's a lot in the game and a lot for you to mess around with and if you if you get into it 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 is something that can keep your attention for a very long time mechanically it is on the more not not simulation side but it it does it it feels somewhat arcadey i like the look of it i don't know exactly how to describe the look but it's it's got a nice look to it it's very clean. It has, it has a very clean aesthetic and some nice bits of color. But mechanically, it's a bit more complicated or, or you have to think more about it than your traditional twin stick shooter, which is really just, hey, run and gun. Just move with the left analog stick and then aim and shoot with the right analog stick or aim and then shoot with the right trigger or whatever. In this one, you have your guns and you... If you don't, like, it, there's no automatic reload. 
So if you run out of bullets, you have to make sure to empty the clip and put it in a new one and then reload uh, to actually like put the ammo in there or whatever. But the way it works is that when you are using a gun and say it's a, a an assault rifle with 30 bullets per clip, if you use 20 bullets and you're like, I want to reload before I run into anyone else, you will lose those 10 extra bullets. And the, and the way you reload is you don't just press like X or whatever to reload. You first empty the clip to replace it with a new one. That's a step. And then you actually do the reloading. And it has a type of reload system like Gears of War, where it's, you know, you, you see a bar filling up and there'll be a little section that if you load in there, you'll get a little bonus. And that makes the action a little bit more strategic and a little bit more thought out. You can dash with the right analog stick, which does not feel good. I, I did not check to see if you can change that in the control scheme. Uh, that would be nice because that, that, that made it so that dashing was kind of useless for me. But as far as twin six shooters, like it, it feels pretty good. There's, there's a lot more weight to the shooting than in most twin six shooters I've played. Uh, in part because a lot of the guns don't fire particularly fast. There are a lot of guns. Like there, there's just, there's a lot in the game and a lot to play around with. And a lot of the guns just, have an extra weight to them and they kind of push you back depending on the gun and they're just the sense of impact when you hit an enemy is satisfying they're like that is something that i always look for in shooters is to, to have a good sense of impact and it's pretty satisfying in cinch cinch uh, synthetic ultimate but yeah I, i've i've only dabbled in it and i feel like it'll take me still a few more hours to just really get a, a grasp of everything because there's a there's a fair amount of stuff going into it but i enjoyed what i played and, and then shady part of me is a platformer where you're playing as two characters at the same time but they are the same person you're playing as a little girl and her shadow and you can after the prologue that introduces you to both versions you can switch between them on the fly and we'll have to because you need, you need to work with your shadow to to progress and it's you know messing around with these darker themes and having to work together with yourself to get through these areas in the and the thing is your shadow is controlled on a 2D plane and then the the real version of yourself is in a 3D world so you have these two different types of platforming and the main thing of the 3D world is that the young girl you're controlling, she can't be in light. So you have to avoid light at all costs. And you can do this you know, by hiding behind objects and whatnot. Or in some cases, you'll, you'll have to jump into the shadow world, find a switch, flip it to bring some object in place so that you'll be able to avoid the, the light that way. And... Vice versa, in the 3D world, you have to do something that uh, will allow the shadow to progress more, like move an object so there's a platform that it can jump on as opposed to the spikes that are all around. And it's uh, it's visually very striking. Like That is a, the thing that caught me first and foremost. I think it looks absolutely fantastic. There's a very 
beautiful painterly sketchy aesthetic and style to it uh, so you have like texture wise there's this painterly feel to it and then in many ways there's like there's there's bits that have like cross stitching and stuff like that that just give it this more sketcher uh, sketchy aesthetic and, and feel to so like visually it looks great not a whole lot of color it's a very muted palette uh that is that is somewhat like sepia tone and, and all that kind of stuff but I, I really love the look of it and that definitely helps keep me interested and pushing forward like the, the the story and the way it's delivered hasn't really done much for me i don't i don't feel like it's done a lot to really say anything like it's more about the the mood and atmosphere i guess and you can also rewind at any time if you maybe miss a jump or end up in light get caught in light or whatever you can rewind at any time so you don't have to worry about dying and restarting from a far back checkpoint or anything like that so it's very forgiving in that sense but yeah it's 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 visuals first and foremost for me here but i in terms of the platforming and i can you jump in the 3D world? And I'm now trying to think if, if you can actually jump in the 3D space. And I don't think you can. And it's cool too in the 2D space is that like if the the plane you're on is angled and transitions between the wall and the ground or maybe the wall curves around or, or distorts in some way, then the plane will distort along with that. And those moments are very cool to just look at like it is very much like it, in terms of the platforming and mechanical and all that solid nothing particularly special you know it doesn't feel that great or anything it's a little bit sluggish but not in a bad way if that makes any sense but it's all about just looking at it the entire time and how fucking pretty it is and seeing where it goes next and how it messes around with the manipulation and stuff and it's just it's a very very pretty game i i dig what time i've put into it a lot so far and then when the past was around is a point and click adventure that has also ha uh, beautiful hand-drawn visuals and it is about loss and coming to terms with that and, and overcoming it and it's it's a very beautiful thing. I, I haven't finished it, but I've enjoyed what I've played of it. It's got really nice music to go along with it. And it's really simple in the, the puzzle aspect because the, the, the way it works is that you are this young woman and every puzzle, essentially, I think there was one that was like, that I, of what I played, that was like two areas. But they're mostly locked to these single spaces and you can scroll to, to get to the left and right of the, the area. But you're basically just finding this thing to interact with this object, which will then allow you to interact with this other object. And you do this maybe like five times, and then you can unlock a door, which will transition you to the next memory, the next area, and all that jazz. And it's pretty simple and straightforward. But it's, it's super pleasant and great to look at. It's a... A nice little thing and i i think who it, it, it's really for like if the story seems interesting to you you know about love loss and you know it starts off when the past was around and and 
you know, you have to get past the past. So if that, that is something you dig, uh, it's worth saying. But like, in terms of point-and-click adventures, it's for those who don't like or who, who just want something simple and straightforward. It doesn't have any convoluted puzzles in it. It's just like, how does this make any sense? Like, it, it's basically just click whatever you can click on. If you're unable to find something you can click on or if you're stuck, you can just press a button and it'll show you literally everything you can interact with. But just click on everything. You will find what you need. And it'll all make sense and be pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, just, it's a very pleasant point-and-click adventure. Uh, one that I've enjoyed more than I was expecting. You know, and, and it's an easy game to pick up and play, given that you have all these mostly single puzzle rooms, and it saves in between them all, so like, you can get through a puzzle room very quickly. And yeah. I dig it. Music is a, is a big part of it too. Uh, the violin. And yeah. Like, I, 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 I like it. I like it. But uh, yeah, and then the last thing is Saints Row 4, which I've just been playing as like comfort food basically. Because this, this is the one, if you don't remember, that moved away from the traditional GTA-esque uh, style of play and turn more into crackdown where you're basically a superhero and the the world is scattered with these not orbs that you can collect and I think there might be I don't know if there're like a thousand of them but there there are a lot of them and yeah it, it's just a a really nice game to go around without thinking about anything or having to think about anything and just go and collect all these stupid things and do these little side missions that are very easy to just knock out one after another in a minute or two. So yeah, I've been playing through that and playing through the campaign to unlock more stuff and just, yeah, there's nothing much to say about it. I think it was an Xbox games with gold game at some point, the, the Xbox one remaster reelected or whatever it's called. So I think a lot of people should have it for free just in their library on xbox one and i think it's been on sale plenty of times for super 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 cheap but i've been enjoying that as some nice comfort gaming and then i want to talk about a few movies before ending this here episode i watched and just got it on blu-ray just came out december 15th and it looks fantastic on blu-ray but i checked out for the first time not being a huge holiday person or Christmas person, uh, Holiday Affair, which is a Christmas romantic comedy kind of with Robert Mitchum in the lead. And this was the first time that I ever saw him in a role where he wasn't playing some creepy or unsettling person like in The Night of the Hunter or cape fear stuff like that where like i've always pictured him as like a shady i don't know about you dude but in holiday affair he is so charming and he's so likable and i love it so much like i could not believe how good he was in the role and how much i wish he did more stuff like this because i just i loved watching him in it i i 
think that the Christmassy bits with the kids specifically are kind of, they're not cringeworthy. They're just like, uh, I don't really give a shit about this. But every time he's interacting with the mother, more than makes up for any section where I'm like, I, I don't really care about this because the, their, their chemistry and all that, their banter and everything, it's just so delightful. And I, I enjoyed the story as silly as it is. Uh, he works at a store as a, a salesperson, and then the mother of this child is like, back in the day, whatever, a secret shopper that would buy product and then return it, and she'd buy it to, I don't remember the reasoning, why you're buying it, and like, you already know what the price is, so why are you buying it to see what the experience is like, because you don't open it to just see what like the packaging and how they gift wrapped it and all that jazz is, I don't know, but she does this. She's not really good at hiding the fact that that's what she's doing. And he accepts a return, doesn't tell on her or whatever, and he ends up getting fired, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I, I highly recommend it if you enjoy romantic movies. And if you, or, and, or, you uh, want to watch something that is Christmassy and you haven't seen this before because I feel like a lot of people probably haven't seen Holiday Affair. I never even heard of it until I found out, hey, this is coming to Blu-ray. I, I want to see what this is about. Robert Robert Mitchum in a role like this? Get out of town. And then I was like, man, this is so good. And I really like when he exclaims or, or, or tells her that he likes her because I, I think the way they handle it is such a, a great way he was invited over for a Christmas dinner. And when the the mother, I think, specifically asked him like how he is feeling or just something that makes him bring everything up, he's like, okay, well, you asked for it. And he stands up and he says, you know, your fi- fiance, because the mother is engaged to this other guy who's a perfectly fine person, nothing wrong. He's not like some rotten, horrible person. And... He stands up, Robert Mitchum stands up and says, uh, you know, not word for word, but basically says, you know, this guy, your fiance, is honestly one of the nicest, swellest, good guys I've ever had the privilege of knowing. He's, he's a wonderful person, but I think you should marry me instead. And at that point, the the mother's parents are like, I, I think we should go get dessert. We don't want to be here. This is awkward. It's like, no, no, stay here. You know, no no reason to get dessert just yet. And then he goes on to say, you know, you might be thinking that it's very wrong for me to do this in front of Timmy or whatever the kid's name is, because, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't do something like this in front of a child. But his response to that, response to that is, well, is it really so wrong for a child to know that there are two men who love his mother. And then you, you may also be thinking that I shouldn't be doing this in, in front of the other man. Like, like that is rude or whatever, but would it be better if I did this behind his back and was skeevy about it or whatnot? I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think, you know, I'm just putting myself out there and whatever. And then he just says, you know, like, this is how I feel, blah, 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 blah. And then he just leaves. And, you know, of course it, it goes exactly where you th- expect it to go. There aren't any like some weird twists that's like, oh, she just ends up staying with her fiance. And, like, of course she ends up with Robert Mitchum, blah, 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 blah. But like, 
I really liked the way they handled that. And I just thought it was a really good movie and surprisingly good. Like I, I was not expecting it. And then I watched The Driver, which is 19, it's from 1978, a Walter Hill movie who is probably most famous for The Warriors. He also did Streets of Fire and Red Heat. And it is, I don't know if it is a direct inspiration for Drive from Renz Waffren, whatever his name is, uh, with Ryan Gosling. But it sure as fuck feels like it inspired. Like I, I look at, in terms of move, like drive, uh, the driver just feels like the prototype for drive in many ways. But I also see a little, a little bit in mood and soundtrack and all that. Uh, Thief by, was it, was it Tony Scott? I think maybe. Um, which is a like 81 movie with James Caan set in Chicago. Awesome there. But uh, The Driver stars, why can't I ever think of his name now? Robert? Not Is it Robert? He's in Paper Moon and Love Story. And I can't think of his freaking name at this point. But it's about a driver who is the driver of getaway vehicles and all that jazz and has Bruce Dern as the cop who's out to get him. And I feel like so often Bruce Dern just plays these, these absolute pieces of shit who like, even if they are technically a good guy, you don't fucking like them. And he does it perfectly here. But the story is, I don't want to give too much away about it. All I'll say is that if you like Drive, you should absolutely seek out the driver because it feels so much like that. Or it would be more accurate to say Drive feels so much like the driver. And if you've enjoyed past Walter Hill ones, I'd probably say, yeah. Like I, This is probably... I don't know if it's my favorite, I think, of the movies I've seen of it that I'd call it his best movie, Walter Hill's best movie. But Streets of Fire might still be my favorite just because I fucking love the soundtrack so much. Uh, and I, I really enjoy that movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a fan of Walter Hill, so keep that in mind. Outside of, I think I've enjoyed everything I've seen of his except for The Long Road, The Longest Yard. Something that is about Jesse James and all of them with a great cast, but it's just like, man, the way they're like, they're just like, it's, it's, a, it's a group of guys who are just so unlikable. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here. But uh, yeah. And the last movie I want to mention is Without Love, which is a rom-com with Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy that is 1945. And I think it's the earliest movie I've ever seen with Spencer Tracy because unless I'm remembering it wrong, I don't think his hair was yet white like it still had color in it even though it's it's a black and white movie like i could see that it wasn't white so that was not like super alarming or anything because he still looks like spencer tracy his just hair was not all white but it is a story about a woman who is a widow and a man who is a scientist and, and both of them are just they're like don't care about love anymore for various reasons. Like she lost the love of her life. So she's just like, okay, now I'm done with love. And then he is somebody who's like very studious and analytical and just like, well, why, why even bother with love? 
and they decide like he wants to rent out a space in the 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 house and and use like the basement uh, laboratory and and whatnot and they eventually decide they like enjoy each other's company to get married and just have this platonic relationship to just be like okay we're gonna just get married but you know we both are have this understanding that it's never going to like we're you know we're just friends basically we're getting married blah, blah blah and of course it develops the way you would expect it to but like it's Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, so it's a really good time. And I realized, I thought I didn't like Catherine Hepburn. I just don't like Catherine Hepburn once she hit a certain age because I feel like so many of the roles she got was basically just, hey, you can make really good sad eyes. And they just, like in Who's Coming to Dinner or whatever the exact title of that movie is, which I really like, I feel like she is so wasted in that because all they ever do is like cut to her and do a close-up of her face and she just has these fucking incredibly teary eyes. And I'm just like, man, this, this all you are in this movie is the old teary-eyed woman. And you, they just keep cutting. And, and they're, I don't remember what it's called that I saw it on HBO Max. And there's a movie with her when she's like a little older in age where she goes to Italy and it has, you know, somewhat of like an under the Tuscan sun type of vibe or whatever, but like it starts off really strong and then it just gets like melodramatic and sad for no good reason and just kind of squanders the the joy of the first half or so. But I don't remember what that one was called. Like I like her. And, and then <laughs> just uh, one more tangent before I end this episode. I, I don't know if it, I don't know what my problem with Meryl Streep is. If it's that I just genuinely do not like her, like if that's just a thing and I can't help it, or if it's that every role she takes are characters I can't or, or don't like. But like I watched Defending Your Life this morning, which is an Albert Brooks movie, pretty okay, but I, I was not overly fond of her in it. And I don't know if it's just that I did not like her character in the writing or if it's just her. And I think part of it is her and the way she's portraying the character, but like, I don't know. Like, I I don't like not liking Meryl Streep as much as I do. But I can't think of anything outside of doubt where I'm like, yeah, you really like, I loved you in this role. But part of that in uh, doubt specifically is that she is such an unlikable character. Like, I hate her so much. I'm like, yeah, you did a great job of being this character I hate so much. But outside of that, like, in Deer Hunter, I think she's, you know, kind of not throwaway exactly, but just she doesn't have much to do. And like, I don't know, maybe the the, the role or, or one of the roles where I've liked her in, despite not really liking the movie, or not thinking the movie is that great, is Death Becomes Her. I think that is a very flawed movie. But I think her and the other actress are pretty good in their roles. But uh, yeah, that that is enough. That will do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, 
I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Attack the Backlog podcast, which is just called Attack the Backlog. There's no the in it. It's just Attack the Backlog and Unamazingly Baga, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out the art I make on the site, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Holy shit, I just realized the next episode is going to release on Christmas Day. Yep, that's going to be a thing. Well, so, you know... In preparation for Christmas, if you celebrate and all that jazz, I hope you are able to get all that you need and any last-minute present shopping and all that kind of crap. You know, do it online for the love of God. Do, do not go into stores unless you have to. And honestly, why would you have to? And if you're still waiting, like, just be safe, people. Please, please be safe. Be careful. Be healthy. You know, don't celebrate Christmas with all your family members and stuff like that just unless you were like doing some quarantining and stuff and and preparing for it specifically like doing a lot of preparation so that you could celebrate Christmas together or whatever it's just okay it's one year it's one year it's okay to just miss it I know that doesn't mean much coming from somebody who hates Christmas more than any other holiday I have my reasons I've said them before don't need to go into that now But yeah, just, you know, be safe. That's more important. Anywho, that is it. That is all. Thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, your Christmas day if you're celebrating, and an absolutely lovely weekend.